Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Kohan Nesla, and I'm here today with Tadeo Gasparetto. Hello, everyone. And Carlos Gomez. Hola, hola, hola. Tadeo, can you tell us a little bit about today's paper? Sure. The paper today we're going to discuss, the title is The Impact of a Life Disrupting Threat on Team Identity. So four authors, so Catherine Svensson and Elizabeth Dahlia from University of Massachusetts, Aaron Mansfield from Merrimack College, and Emma Callan from Bowling Green State University. And the paper has been just recently published in the Sport Management Review. So I chose the paper for today, and I really have to give the authors credits because they did something that a colleague of mine, and now a previous colleague of mine, and now a colleague of Carlos, he had this ability. His name is Anil, and he had the ability to make a boring title super interesting. I don't know what kind of title they had in the beginning, but I think this paper is one of the most intriguing titles I have seen for a long time. So I just want to say it again. It's the impact of a life-disrupting threat on team identity. This was what really triggered me. So I have to give the authors credit for that. Because, yeah, I read the title and then I wanted to read the paper. So I think they did a great job here. So what is it that they're doing? All of us remember Corona and how it started. And then, unfortunately, for many of us who love following a sports team, it also led to that, you know, they didn't play anymore. The leagues stopped from one day to the other because of this serious sickness, this serious illness. Corona, everything changed. And for many fans, there was a terrible position. And now in this paper, they want to examine, okay, we have this stop, we have this Corona, we have this life-disrupting threat. What is happening to sport fandom? How do the fans react to that? Can you tell us what kind of method they used for that? Yeah, so basically what the authors are doing, they're selecting a few people and they're basically asking them how they feel about the following, the sports teams, and so on. But I want to tell you in detail how they actually, they built on this case study design, and they take a qualitative approach to this. I would like to tell you a bit about the times of the interview to put ourselves into contest. So they conducted the interviews in April and May 2020. And this was the time where actually we didn't know what was going to happen to sports leagues, where games actually were going to be played, would the leagues end the whole season or not? So fans were with these things in their head, right? Who are the participants? The authors have a few criteria for the selection. Participants has to be 18 years or older, and they have to identify themselves as a fan of a sport team. That is actually the only criteria that they settle. In total, the sample has 17 individuals that took part in the study, 12 come from the United States, four from Canada, and there is one individual that comes from India. Participants' ages are quite diverse, from 22 years old to 20 years old. There are five women and 12 men in the sample. Also important to say, these participants identify themselves as a fan of very different clubs and sports. So some of them follow the NBA, some of them follow the male baseball, some of them follow women's national basketball in the United States, also college, Division One football, English Premier League, so a wide 
range of sports leagues. They also provide very detailed information about the participants, which is quite nice in table one. So if anyone is interested in to, they tell you who they are, what they watch, what's their life status. And I enjoy that quite a bit. How did the authors actually collect the data? So they offer $25 gift for participants to engage in the interviews. And they also gave $25 gift for participants to engage in journaling. I don't know, guys, if you know what journaling is. It was the first time also for me to read a paper based on this methodology. I will tell you in a little bit. But the questions about this topic for the participants had like different focus. Some of them were demographic questions. Some of the questions were related to general fandom, like things related to which team do you follow for how long and so on. And also inquiries about the pandemic, about the COVID-19 itself. So they wanted to explore a little bit the impact of the pandemic on the fans, on their views. Some questions are, for example, does being a sports fan matter right now? Why or why not? How do you feel about the prospect of a sports returning at some point? So that type of questions. That was how the interviews were conducted. And then they engage in this reflexive journaling. This means that instead of having one researcher asking you the questions, you let the participants build a little bit on their own experiences. So you let them reflect a little bit on the situation and then you open room for them to discuss about it, sort of like writing a little piece about how they feel about this issue. And I found this quite nice, quite complimentary, because, you know, when you are asked a question, you might respond differently than if you are given the chance to actually take the time and answer it by yourself, you know, without anyone interacting with you. And then the data analysis is quite a standard as well for this type of qualitative research. They discuss, they have two different phases. The first phase is data-driven phase. And the author, what they do is read the interviews and transcripts, and then try to cluster for the different themes that emerge, right, for the different topics. And then next, what they do is these theory-related driven themes. And this is discussing with the other team of researchers what were the subtopics that emerge and building on the results. So I would like to move in here a tiny bit because, Carlos, I think you did a very good job explaining the method here. And when you talked about the participants and also something that I think is really important for the results, you mentioned that most of them come from North America. And you two, both of you, are, I would say very, I, I don't know if Carlos is as hardcore a fan as Tadeo is, I saw this with my own eyes, but here, what the authors did in a really nice way is they listed the team fandoms. So that means that you can see which teams those people support. And I saw that for many, they don't only have one team, but several teams. And do you think something comparable exists for European countries? Uh, I don't know. I don't think this is a common feature in Europe. It's like, at least in my perspective, in my view, for the time that I've lived in here, I have the feeling that Europeans are more driven for a single sport team. So if I prefer football, I tend to follow that football team or that basketball team. You may like other, but perhaps you do not consider yourself as a fan of two, three, four different teams. But I might be wrong. This is what I got living here. Carlos perhaps can say a little bit better about this. I also don't know how it works. For most of the people I know, most of my friends, they only have one team that they follow for one specific sport. Some of them 
like basketball, but they follow one specific team. For me, I follow Atletico when I watch soccer. I do watch women's and men's soccer, and then I'm both for, for Atletico. But, you know, it's hard enough for me with Atletico. I don't want to follow another team. That's painful enough, right? So for me, I cannot consider myself a fan of anything else. I like watching a lot of other sports, but I look at it as a, as a neutral fun, just for the joy of it. And suppose Atletico would have a basketball team. I really don't know if they do have one. And it would play. And you would see it playing against any other team in Spain. Would this then be your favorite team because it's Atletico? Hard to say. I don't know. Also, you know, one interesting thing, fandom takes time. You know, so you are not a fan of a team. You are a fan of a long history of that team. Players, things that happened in the past, and you are somehow connected to it. Even though it's the same team, when you're looking at a different sport, I'm not sure. So it's hard for me to say this hypothetical. Okay. It would be interesting because there are some examples in Europe. For example, Panathinaikos fans, they are super present in football and also in basketball. And there are some country particularities that would be interesting to see this in Europe as well. In Brazil, we tend to say that if the team has a team in a different sport, if a club has a team in a different sport, we tend to support. But then it really depends how much you like the other sport as well. Let's say, imagine that I love football and I don't like volleyball. So maybe Fluminense has a volleyball team. Perhaps I'm not following because I just don't like volleyball. So it might happen as well. Let's move to my part. I mean, for me, super difficult to be discussing qualitative research because this is not my area. And I found hard because it's like you have so many dimensions to be commenting and you can say a lot of different stories with the data that you gather. So I will try to summarize what for me was super interesting from it. That first, they somehow analyze the early effects of pandemic. And what they got was that in the early stage, the pandemic, the identity, the team identity remains stable. So they were saying that mostly inactive. It's like, well, it's okay, it's still perhaps it's like happening a hurricane and later on the season gonna restart. Or there is a quote saying that it's a kind of off season. So we don't have matches right now, but soon or late it will return. So the team identity didn't change that much. However, as the pandemic remained, constant over the time. And they could say that the fandom started to be inactive. So some of the participants were saying that, well, there is no sport now, so there is nothing to be fun of. So some people say that I almost forgot about sports because there are some more important things about this. And few participants also mentioned that I forgot about sport, but I'm not happy with this. So there are some elements over the time, for example, about engaging. And they were saying that some of the participants were mentioned that they started to engage with their clubs, with the leagues, even more than before, because they had some extra time. So the pandemic, let's say, offered a chance in order to get into the history of the team. So watching only positive elements of the history. This they emphasized, so no one was looking through the matches that they lost but simply those that they won, they got championships and so on. And also the engagement between fans. So this is a nice, I mean, at least for me, it was quite interesting. They're saying that the sport can be used as a kind of social connection that for some of the participants, they say that, well, I lost connection with some of my friends because we used to talk only about that sport team, of about our sport league. And that's over for now. 
But what they were saying that some chats had changed the topic. So if someone was telling about speaking often about the basketball team that they support, they simply stop and start talking about different things. Some just last two points that for me was quite interesting was about they were not very sure about the return, but they stressed the point of the safety of return. Most of them say that it has to be safe in order to return because families matter more. And the last one that fandom could be used as escape. So it's a distraction, but it's not an essential activity afterwards. While reading this paper, it came something to my mind and I wanted to ask you quickly if, you know, something happens in the future and all of a sudden we cannot follow any other sports, like we cannot watch the sports any, where do you think people will actually look at? Because, you know, now we spend a lot of time talking about the sports. What would we do? Reading. Bit of philosophical (laughs) question, right? It came to my mind, this hardcore fans of sports will will be tough. I mean, luckily... Probably is quite impossible to imagine this, that somehow we create a sport, even recreational level at home. Let's say we could find some escape. But this is interesting. Maybe reading, as Cornell say, maybe practice different things. I don't know. It's difficult. It's nice. We will see. Cornell, Tadeo, thank you very much. This is everything for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the weekly sports piece. Stay tuned.